Welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown Podcast, a rewatch podcast for the timeless show uh, Mad Men. My name is Fola Olakumbi. And my name is Helen Barley. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, comment and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter, which is at breakdown underscore old, or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. This week, we'll be looking at season one, episode 13, entitled The Wheel. In this episode, Pete secures an account, Don makes a pitch, and Peggy gets promoted just before having a baby. Spoilers! Spoilers. <laughs> so you guessed right. I did. Do you know what? I was so happy. I was like, <laughs> I mean, to be, well, I, I didn't expect her to like have the baby in the same episode that she found <laughs> out. I was like, she went in with cha- with stomach pains and I was just like, oh, they're going to tell her she's pregnant. And then all of a sudden it was like she had the baby. I was like, oh. <laughs> It's like wow, that was that was that was like a plot line on Neighbours. That was so fast. <laughs> that escalated. That, that really escalated fast. It's like what a whirlwind for Peggy. So this episode has been absolutely crazy. What did you think of it? Uh, I thought that you know what, it was pretty good. I give it like I give it like a seven out of ten for for plot, and then like for for the Peggy twist, it's got to have a little bit more. So I give it nine out of ten. Um, I thought that uh, it was really, it was really cool. It was a really good episode to watch. I really enjoyed the episode. I thought they all got their come up at, at the end, and they're all terrible people. And now at the end, they all know that they're terrible people, apart from Betty, who lives in her own little world, of course. So we watched this um, film that um, was that what they called lessons from the screenplay made, and it's about this episode. Um, and it kind of for me explains all the stuff that i want to talk about in the show and a bit more and uh well it's it's the starting point of what i want to talk about on the show um but what did you think about that the kind of the whole thing about subtext and all that stuff i mean i think if you want to save yourself half an hour you should probably just go and watch that uh youtube video (laughs) uh because we're probably just going to repeat a lot of what's said in there i thought it was a really nice accurate sort of description of pretty much exactly what's going on said very concisely yeah. <laughs> i don't know what you're trying to say <laughs> I, I mean i'm not trying to say anything i'm saying that the guy's like explains thing in one it, you know he's, it, it, was, it was great it was just very like this is the text this is the subtext here's an and explanation of end. that and that's the end <laughs> and that's the end, yeah. and that's the end. It, all done in 15 minutes <laughs> can i just say like they do have an hour podcast as well where they talked about that 15 minutes so it's not that kind of um do you know what i mean they're that con- concise about it um okay so do you want to talk about the episode before uh, is there anything else you want to say about it before i launch into my massive i do actually episode? okay go on okay so i want to talk about and it's mentioned in that uh youtube video that you just talked about but obviously the big thing and i think probably one of the most iconic scenes from the series is in this episode which is uh don's uh, pitch of the kodak carousel stroke the wheel um and i actually the first time i ever saw this was funnily enough when i was on a course about pitching 
Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and uh, it was the tutor. The guy was amazing. He's called Frank Ash. He was about 100 then, so he's probably dead by now. Sorry if you're <laughs> still around, Frank. Um, but he, he brought that out. He basically... He's sort of one of those teachers that comes in and he's got like loads of presents. He came in and he said, he said, I'm not going to say anything. The first thing I want us to do is to watch this clip. And he showed that clip of, right. of, of that. And he was like, and that's how you pitch. And everyone was like, oh. <laughs> so, and I think it's, it's so, it's so well done. Like it's just such a, you know, clever, the whole episode to me just feels really clever. And it is, um, in terms so of the clever. in terms of the themes, it is just all about it's about the moment, it's about the past, it's about the present, it's about um, you know timing and people and you know regrets and aspirations and and you know it's all it. I think of all the episodes, this one has some of the more human, perhaps less political messages. <laughs> okay <laughs> do you not agree with that do you think it's gonna be is there like some sort of like political message that i didn't get well there um politi- i think everything's political um i think when you say not when you say human do you mean if you mean there isn't much philosophy and uh psychology in there um this is as far as i'm concerned this is all psychology and all philosophy. No, I don't think I'm... I think when I say human, I, I sort of mean um, in terms of... I don't even want to say, like, relatability, but it's kind of right. like that whole thing of, like... Ev- I think there's moments in this... I mean, this this is an extreme example, but there's moments of this that everyone goes... And you have the, the joy of... It's like the joy of... The unexpected promotion and then the unexpected pregnancy. And then there's oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you know, you mean, it, yeah. And it's kind of like the things that you go through, sort of the disappointment, the idea of the, you know, that very end bit where he sort of... He comes home and you you think, oh, they've all yeah, made yeah. up and it's a happy ending. And then it's not yeah. a happy ending. And it's that whole thing of like time is an ongoing thing. And, and it, it for me, it was so clever of them to end it because it, it still... I feel like it you know not everything was tied up in neat little bows but each character had an ending but they weren't happy endings and i think that's because life will go on and there you know there was going to be a second series where we could make them even more miserable so you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's kind of what i don't know I, I don't know if i'm using the right terminology but i just felt no, it was no, a very like very like you know a lot of the there was a lot of sadness in there that but it felt oh, yeah. it felt like you really i tell you what it was is you may it made me feel like don draper was a hu- more human than i've ever seen him be i think oh wow okay okay interesting all right so i don't really know where to start on this so i'm going to try i'm just going to list everything that's in this episode and then see if, see if any of it kind of connects with you um so paradigm shifts signification oh jeez family postmodernism modernism and um impressionism uh the the book the book from the matrix simulacra and simulation subjectivity semiotics and the big overarching theme of the whole thing structuralism <laughs> i mean i'm going to say that modernism, postmodernism, and blah 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 is just a clever way of saying times. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, semiotics is just a clever way of saying symbols. 
yeah. Well, this is the thing. So that's really interesting because obviously we've talked about your qualifications as a media student, <laughs> and and I was I was, I was learning because I I don't know anything about semiotics. I've just been learning about it, um, this these couple of weeks. Well, actually, from most of this season, but I've been kind of like really drilling down in it to uh, this these couple last couple of weeks. And um, as I was reading about them, I was like, oh, this is all like media stuff. So like Helen would know all about all this stuff, right? So do sure. you mind, do you mind, <laughs> do, 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 you, do you understand like semiotics and how they work and stuff? I mean, it's so uh, in, in basic terms, I mean, I think semiotics is it, like I say, I've always sort of treated that as, I mean, yes, I was a media studies student, but I actually only got a 2-1. <laughs> that's all right that's fine <laughs> like middle in you know that's pretty um, good. but i think i think for me i always just found i i think sometimes i like in my brain which you might have got from this podcast i like to sort of simplify things and for me semiotics is is a, a, just a sort of a form of symbolism in one way yeah. or another so it's a sign there's a signifier there's yeah. you know yeah. um a reception there's that sort of thing um and it's it, but semiotic the difference i think between a symbol and semiotics i believe uh and i might be wrong i'm probably going to look this up afterwards and like bang my head on the desk but i mean <laughs> yeah. i always thought it's it's that sort of ties into subjectivity as well in terms of it's it's yep. it's about individual viewpoints so it it's almost like a symbol but it's how other people would connect with that symbol um yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what i know semiotics as being Excellent. Yeah. yeah. That's, Thank you. That, Thank that's, you. that's 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 kind of exactly how I see it. Um in the uh, uh film that we watched, um it it starts off talking about the text, uh the the uh, symbolic imagery and the subtext, which is the meaning, right? And so they're kind of talking about the same thing but just using different words, right? Yes. So, I want to talk the first scene I want to talk about is something they didn't mention in that video, which is the audition scene. Oh, okay. So this is kind of the best scene to kind of signify or to illustrate what I think the episode's about. And um, so, you know, in that scene, actually, before we go into that, remember when we were talking about uh, Red in the Face ages ago? Ed, Red in the Face is the episode where Don makes... Um, uh roger throw up yes i remember and remember we were talking about the kitchen scene where yes they're all they... in the kitchen yeah yeah and we were saying about the imaginary the real and the symbolic that's the triangle that thing right the, tri the triangle yeah exactly and if you look at the three um voice actresses they're kind of in a triangle right and if you so and there's like three there's three people in 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 that scene there's um there's rita she's the the one on the on the far right so she's the older one uh the one that um that ken says initially oh she she'd be really good uh the one in the middle is called annie she's the the pretty one i guess yep and on the left hand side You've got Norma and she's just kind of like, she's just there, right? And at one point in that scene, Ken says that Annie belongs on TV with Rita's voice dubbed in. Mm -hmm. 
and it's and if you think about the whole semiotics thing where you've got this the sign and the signifier and they're both on the same thing and they make up the signified right right so if you take rita and annie and put them on the same thing you end up with the with who in this case is the real and that's norma she's basically a 20 year old girl that they would be selling this relaxercise uh, to and she doesn't have the looks of annie and she doesn't have the the age and experience of rita and that scene sums up what not just what the episode's about but what the whole series is about and as we talk over the next 45 minutes uh hopefully i'll make it more clear to people does that make sense does that yeah. does that click with you at all no <laughs> no i mean I, so... I i think with that i think it's sort of like i don't know that on one of those things is i get what you're trying to say is that yeah they want the text it's almost like she like they cho- she chooses annie but annie isn't the right choice and i think they explain that quite a lot why she's not the right choice when they do the recording like i think yeah, 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 you know, yeah there's that yeah. realization of she, her not being the right choice because of what she almost says to well the only reason she got picked is because she fits the image that, yes um, correct peggy thinks a confident woman would look like right right that's what i mean so they're trying to find someone that basically appeals to the real who's like norma on the left and they don't really make a big deal out of norma but in the script that i was reading it basically says that norma is about 20 years old and she's just like a normal average girl mm. and and it, it describes rita being this kind of like very pretty sort of you know you mean annie Oh God, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> and it describes Annie as being this very pretty statuesque woman. And it's weird because the next time we see uh, the recording booth, they kind of carry the same theme along again, but this time the real in this situation or desire, if we want to call it, is Ken because he's like really sort of into this girl. He like you know obviously desires her. The imagine is Peggy, the which also equals demand, uh, because Peggy's obviously demanding that um, this girl does all this stuff and like she's she reads the thing out um, with confidence and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the symbolic, the girl in the thing, Annie is the symbolic, uh, also known as need, uh, because she needs to impress Peggy. Yeah, just really cool how they've done that. The whole point of semiotics and the whole idea of structuralism is um, that I, I know that I'm trying not to go into like a massive uh, lecture because I, I realise that I'm sort of lecturing people on stuff I don't really understand. Um, but the whole, so I'll, I'll, I'll try not to go too far into it. But the whole thing with structuralism, basically structuralism kind of describes uh, consciousness um, and how we think. And why we think and how we come up with ideas and how we're sort of like inspired and why we're inspired. So another really good example of that. So when um, Betty's at home and Francine comes over and tells her that her husband's cheating on her, there's an amazing shot as um, Francine leaves and as Betty tells the um, 
the child minder to leave as well she just stands in the um in the doorway do you remember this scene i remember the scene i don't remember her standing in the doorway so so she stands there for like a good i don't know two three seconds so you get the feeling that you're fully aware that she's standing in this doorway and that scene that to me i don't know you probably because you can't remember it's a shame you can't remember it because it's like a really really good shot because it basically looks like she's staring in a mirror. Ah. And it's really, really cool how to do it because there's no mirror there. And But like I remember watching it thinking like, that looks like a mirror. And it makes total sense because remember when we were talking before about the same thing um, and we were talking about the mirror phase? Yeah. So I really, I butchered the explanation of it before. I still don't really truly understand it. But the mirror phase is essentially... The easiest way to put it without going into massive specifics is it's basically when the child wakes up and realizes they have a conscious. And that at that moment is the time, is the point in the episode where Betty wakes up and realizes, you know, she's always kind of suspected that Don's cheating on her, but she's never really engaged with it in any real sense. Hmm. So this is like the moment within the show where she goes, I'm going to do something about it. And I think you can follow Betty's whole arc in this episode. And this is why it like part of the episode is about a paradigm shift within within Betty's head. Not, not just in Betty's head, but like within the whole of like American culture, because this is like obviously it's the end of the episode. But it's also the start of the 60s which is going to be like a massive upheaval and everything's going to change and, you know, uh, women's rights and um, the uh, and black rights and, and all these kind of, up, all this upheaval and all this kind of stuff. And that's kind of, her her whole arc is kind of based on this whole, it's based on this whole imaginary, real, symbolic thing. And the name for that, and I've never sort of used the name before, but the name for that is the diagram of consciousness. So it's all about how not just Betty, but like the whole of America is kind of waking up and is has to do something. And that's what we've seen through the whole season is this kind of questioning what all these things are and all these isms and all these um, ideologies and stuff and sort of like questioning what they are. And yeah, um, I'll go on in a bit more, but I need I need to stop talking because I've just <laughs> just talked for ages without letting you say anything. Um, yeah, did do you remember anything about that scene? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I think that scene is you know you you get uh, what's her face coming in Francine. I mean, for me, that scene is uh, I mean that is talked about a lot in that YouTube video, which has kind of stolen a lot of what I was going to say. Uh, anyway, so you might you know you might as well watch the video if you want instead of hearing me waffle on. But you know that whole thing I think is for Betty. I think for in this episode, each of them are sort of confronted by the issues that they've skirted around a lot throughout the series. Um, and it, like I say, that might seem like a natural conclusion, but I think they've really sort of done it here and they do it in a way where it's not because i mean i guess you could debate really um with betty you know did she know before has she only just figured this out because i think she knew but this is it i think it was i think she knew but in a very unconscious way like you know when you you're aware of something that but you don't really 
you don't really talk about it because you don't talk about it it just stays there and it's kind of you don't really consider it a thing until it actually comes out of your mouth and you've kind of oh shit that that was bad or do you know what I mean something that's happened to you where you kind of haven't acknowledged it but I don't know because I sort of feel a little bit like here's the thing right it's it's so her friend comes in and her friend's like I you know I I went I went to look at the phone I went to pay the phone bill because I forgot it and I found out my husband's been ringing this woman in New York in Manhattan blah 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 right so you've got there's there's evidence there and I think that's the big difference with this episode and and what I think what Betty does is I don't think I think she wants proof she wants solid concrete proof before she can she she sort of realizes this and I, I don't know because I mean on that video it also said oh she knows and she confronts Don at the dinner table and stuff but she still goes through the process of checking the phone bill which is how she finds out about the psychiatrist um and she's still unable to come to face Don head on and I mean you know you see that sort of crap attempt at sort of dealing with it where she sort of talks about what's happened to a friend and says how you know how could how could someone do that to someone they loved and like all this kind of stuff and and you know in that video it said oh this is this is her basically accusing don i didn't see it like that i think she was giving him an opportunity to figure to, out to, 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 to say to, something so yeah yeah i know i i agree i totally agree i think the reason i agree is because you know talking about the whole diagram of consciousness that that whole thing is basically how you kind of wake up to you kind of make something real or you kind of appreciate something in real life right so i think the whole arc of um betty's storyline in this and possibly even don's as well is about her sort of coming to terms with it so by the time that she's on so she basically does each of the nodes on that on that diagram so the when she kind of when she suspects something that's like the real that's like her sort of waking up then the imaginary part is when she takes the letter and she phones the doctor so that's kind of like her sort of creating an image of what's going on in her head and then sort of acting on it and then the symbolic part is actually you know when she goes to see glenn Oh, God. Creepy Glenn. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Glenn wasn't creepy. She was creepy. Um, I mean, they're both fucking creepy. <laughs> um, she goes, so she goes to see Glenn and like he's like a symbolic kind of father figure or something. Like he's like, you know, he's holding her hand, telling her it's going to be okay and that stuff. Um, and then she goes back to the, then she goes to the doctor and that's kind of like, she's back in this sort of, so the real um in this in this sense is it's a weird thing where you're right it's it's either you can either see it as it's basically bliss it's basically like like nirvana where you're kind of totally looked after it's hard to describe as well you're not really supposed to describe it because as soon as you describe it it's symbolic but um the idea is i guess the real is just kind of just nothingness and just kind of like uh empty space and that's kind of what the doctors to me anyway i could be totally wrong but it's like what the doctor's um uh, study or whatever his um his office is it's like it's that when they're in there it's this really still kind of 
you know, dead atmosphere, really. It's just like there's nothing really apart from them two. And I think it kind of, it shows her sort of returning back to um, to the real. So it's like a whole sort of circle or like, yeah, or, or a wheel even, um, where they start from one point and then she goes through all these different things. And, the, and, she, and when she returns to that thing, she's slightly older she's uh she's she understands more about herself it also feeds into the whole idea of hermeneutics as well but i won't go into that <laughs> um but yeah I mean, does, uh, does she understand herself more at the end i don't she, know she must well she knows she knows a bit more about dawn she's kind of she's dealt with this issue a bit she's kind of like i'm not I, saying I, that she's I, I don't know i don't know i still feel a little bit like because she still doesn't have concrete proof. I mean, she has proof that, you know, her doctor's spilling the beans about her psychiatry sessions, but she still doesn't have any proof about Don. And, you know, I think that's important to say because it isn't like she's discovered it, she's a new woman, like blah, blah, blah. I think it is very much like she, she it, it's almost like, is she doing that? What she says to the psychiatrist, which, you know, she assumes is going to get back to Don. You know, is she doing that on purpose to sort of punish him or test him? Or like, I feel like there's, I think there's more to it than her just basically going, oh, he's going to, you know, Don's going to know that I know sort of thing. I think it's, because I mean, all that stuff before, I don't know, she has a tendency to sort of, make things up in her head like you know she like the whole like oh his shirt sm- it smelled like perfume or whatever like when has she ever mentioned that before um you know when have any where have any of those suspicions be where have they been until until this thing happened to a friend and it's like and it's a bit like the, the whole divorce thing is it's a bit like oh you know divorce is terrible and then now they're all getting divorced and it's kind of like oh okay well Okay, so I think you you did touch on something really, really important there where you said, um, is she doing it to get back at him, right? Yeah. And the big thing about this diagram of the consciousness is there's an extra element to it. Well, there's loads of elements to it, but there's a there's one element of it called ph- phallic jouissance. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so jouissance is... Jewison's is uh, the best way to describe Jewison's is another scene actually. So it's the scene where Pete goes to visit Don in his office, essentially to gloat about getting this account and being promoted, or you know, getting the bonus or whatever, and being treated, you know, and getting the whole book from from Cooper on um, Ayn Rand. Do you mm. remember the scene? Yeah, yeah. So the whole point of this scene is, yeah, so Jewison's the word itself means enjoyment, right? Right. But it's usually, it's like, it's an enjoyment that's connected to some sort of, almost like a Schrodenfreud. Schrodenfreud? Schrodenfreud. Schrodenfreud, yeah. So like when, when it's a, it's a, it's an enjoyment that involves kind of other people and sort of like getting one over on somebody or, but the point is, you can't have Jewison's on your own. You kind of, it's like a, a masochistic thing where you, you're beating someone else or you're, you're bet you're, you're, you're coming up better than someone else as, as I understand it. And I think you're right when, um, that's the point of what, um, Betty's doing. That's what, that's what she gets out of telling the doctor 
um, all this stuff because it's it's her basically confronting it and saying to Don, I know that you're cheating and there's no way you can lie to me because you're not there. Um, you know, you just have to hear this. And then if you've got anything to say about it, come and talk to me. But no, I don't, uh, I don't even think it's that because the thing is, the psychiatrist is so key because a psychiatrist isn't supposed to spill your secrets so from her point of view she's telling he's gonna tell don and don can't say anything he's almost like betty he can't he can't say anything because then she'll know that the psychiatrist is telling him so she she tells the psychiatrist so so it still stands that like the jewish of her being able to tell him i know that you're cheating and then he can't actually say anything back it's a really good point um another another because that feeds into another thing about that scene and a couple of other scenes in this as well, where, you know, I was talking about um, modernity um, or postmodernism. And in the uh, pitch, uh, Don talks about nostalgia and talks about the future and how this wheel is like a spaceship and all this kind of stuff. And he's using all this futuristic imagery. And that to me is like one of the themes of the episode is obviously like, you know, the future and stuff. And, but part of that, is this, you know, I mentioned simulacra and simulation. Mm. Do you know, that's a book by um, Baldriard, right? And it's a book that they used that was like really sort of influential in the movie The Matrix. Okay. And the movie The Matrix, the big thing about the movie The Matrix is obviously this idea of these people living within a a simulation um, where everything that they sort of come into contact with is not real. It's kind of like projected. It's not, um, it's not an actual thing that they're that's, that's in their reality that they can hold and touch. It's just something that's in their mind. They're detached from real, from real life. Right. That's the whole point of the matrix. And so, and that's kind of illustrated in that scene with the doctor, because obviously uh, Betty is having a conversation with Don with the medium of the doctor in the middle and it's kind of like he's the simulation of Don cool <laughs> you can also see that this, uh, this the same thing also happens when Don phones up the um, phones up the postman oh, or whatever it, yeah, whatever it is and like finds the... out about yeah. finds out about Adam because he doesn't find he finds out second hand from some random stranger and not only that he's on the phone when he does it as well so there's no real kind of contact with anyone also in that scene by the way uh, at the end when he finds out that that his brother Adam's dead right he kind of does a pose like he puts his hands in his head his head in his hands looks, he puts his head <laughs> he puts his head in his hands <laughs> And uh, looks down, and if you look at the shot of as it p- pans out, he's made like a triangular shape. Yes, yeah, just I like do actually whole... remember that piece. Yeah, he just like made the triangular. He shape. He made the like triangle, a... everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they see how clever it is. So freaking clever. <laughs> well, I was impressed. But I think the whole thing is about miscommunication, isn't it? Miscommunication. Not miscommunication. What I meant was like there's lots of instances of that where someone is told something through someone else. So yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of like, you know, this constant 
the characters don't seem to really know what the heck's going on. I mean, even the point of the connection between Peggy and her baby is told to her by a doctor. And she's yeah. like, no, that's, you know, that's not right. And he's like, well, it is. Can you feel it? Because yeah. it's almost, and I think there's, there's it's that like she's totally. It's like she's totally disconnected from her own body. Yeah. It happens though. Um, it does happen. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Um, and also, there's another thing in this as well. Um, another theme, uh, which is kind of pretty obvious, really. But it was kind of... So I listened to this podcast called um, uh, A Thing Like That, right? And these these two guys, uh, this, this this guy and this girl, you know, are doing this podcast, which is a weird thing to do, right? Um, and they kind of, like, go through some of the, the themes, like, in the same way we do. Um, they're a bit more grounded, um, but they sort of like for this episode they kind of did highlight the whole family thing did you did you get that did you see the the family links yeah i mean the whole episode's so, about family yeah yeah totally so um but the reason what the, the the reason i bring that up is because i think one of the things that people sort of don't talk about is the fact that I don't think it's specific. Well, it is about family. It like it really is about family. But what I think specifically, what it's about in terms of that, is you know like Don is a father, right? And it's really about Don. Like for instance, that final that that pitch scene. Everyone says that pitch scene is about Don realizing what it means to be in a fact what he's missing from being not being in a family and stuff. And I. And I kind of disagree, not fully, but like, I feel like that's part of it. But I feel like what's really going on with Don there, to me, and you could correct me if I'm if you think I'm wrong or if you don't agree. But he, what, what he's really looking at as he looks at these signs and this kind of, this sea of kind of, of signs almost like um, structuralism kind of tells us that uh, language is consciousness, right? Or the, or signs in, in, in another way uh, is, is consciousness, right? And we're looking at all these things and they're all telling Don. They're, we see the, the people around Don and we see who they are. So we see like Betty's his wife and we see that he's, he's got those kids and he's got this, uh, he's got this house and the dog. And, and, and one of the things about structuralism, I can't remember who said it, but one of the things about structuralism is that the way you know what a subject is or an object is, is by the things around it. So it's not necessarily the thing itself. It's the things around it that you associate with that thing that tells you what that thing is. So as Don's watching all these things and seeing all these different things that he has around him, it's him realizing that, yes, he is in fact a father. He is in fact a daddy. Um, and dads like are a big part of this episode as well. Cause like there's a scene where uh, earlier on where Don walks into Cooper's office Mm-hmm. And Cooper tells him that um, that Rachel's gone to Paris, right? So that's kind of interesting that Rachel's left him. Uh, but on top of that, Cooper talks about um, Abe Menken, which is obviously Rachel's dad. He at one point he says, "Why is he coming to me?" And it's like to me, it's like the three. There's three different fathers in there. There's an imaginary father, there is a real father, and there is a symbolic father. And Don is the symbolic father. To the point where, for when he t- walks out of the office, Cooper calls him a cowboy. You know, it's like a, because that's kind of the 
symbol that he would he laid upon um upon don um so yeah, I can't remember. How do I even get to that point? I don't know. You just you just end up back on the triangles again. I think. Yeah, yeah so, but that's the thing. The whole episode is about triangles. That's <laughs> that's what it is. That's literally every. There's I so many triangles. I double dare you to like tweet Matthew Weiner and tell him that this whole episode is about triangles. And I, I will. Like, if I, if he was if he was on Twitter, I totally would have <laughs> by now. I just can't get older. This than. is about. Never mind family. <laughs> never mind. So structuralism or semiotics or any of that bollocks. This episode <laughs> is about triangles. Yeah, do, do you know what? To the point, right, where at the end of the episode, um, there's like three scenes at the end of the episode. And I'm like, like, this one might be a bit of a stretch. But like in the three <laughs> scenes, <laughs> the three scenes at the end of the episode, you've got um, one scene with Pete, you've got one scene with Peggy, and you've got one scene with Don. And even them three are a triangle. A triangle. Well, they're not necessarily a triangle, <laughs> but they do. They do relate to. They do relate to the real imaginary and oh. the um, and the, the the symbolic. And not only that, the very last scene where you see Don walk through the door, every single it it calls every single real imaginary and symbolic thing. <laughs> Don walks in and he's the symbolic father he's the perfect symbolic father but then that turns out to be imaginary and then we see him sitting there uh in the real life all by himself so there's all three things covered and not only that right and this this one i can this one's definitely a stretch i'm pretty sure that in every single scene there's a re- there's a, a reference to the real the imaginary and the uh symbolic in every single scene so there's always some but there's always some sort of um nod to all of those things so it's all literally the whole thing is triangles and it's so well written that like i don't think anybody notices it all right i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna drop a theory on you go on go yeah all right so i think this whole episode is about advertising okay yeah Right, bear with yep. me. And it's all about, I mean, so let's start with the carousel because that's an obvious thing. But he doesn't actually sell the machine. He sort of sells what the machine does. He sells He sells a life. He doesn't sell what the machine is, right? The episode's called The Wheel. The yep. thing they're selling is a wheel. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's they're selling it as this product. Right, so that so there we are. That's the that's the basic, yeah. But then everything else in the episode. So Peggy, how she sells herself, she sells herself as a copywriter, as as someone who you know she's not she's she's a feminist character. She's all these sorts of things, and then at the end, it's revealed that actually she, she's a woman that's had a baby. Right, do you see where I'm going with this? With Don, he advertises himself as like, uh. A father, like to this group, he advertises himself as a father, and that like the the use of his own images in that is him. I think advertising because what photo? What it, I mean, and, and I think you have to ask yourself as well the use of photo photographs and and what they do. Are they? Are we? Do we use photographs to show other people, or do we use them for ourselves? Yeah. 
So, I, yeah, I agree. And I think that <laughs> I'm only going to bring it back to <laughs> triangles. The same thing. So, no, I'm going to bring it back. So, like, it's the whole semiotics thing, isn't it? So, it's like the whole idea that um, everything has, everything is a sign and everything has a signifier. And so, when you're right, so um, Peggy, what I said, what I thought is that Peggy doesn't want to give herself that signifier of a mother, which is why she turns her head away from the from the baby. And the thing about Pete that you mentioned is really interesting because in that final scene with him, he's got the exact opposite thing where he's being forced to be a father, even though he doesn't want to be, and he's kind of. That's, that's really creepy that scene I mean he, <laughs> Pete Pete is just so weird he's like I love that he like rocks in and he's like he's, he's like I got the clearest little account and Dodd's like great and he's like yeah my dad helped me <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing again dads right dads come off a lot very in this true episode. very true um, yeah so there's a thing which I really can't go into because I don't really understand it but there's a thing called the name of the father which is kind of like um related to Lacan in some sort of way. Um, I'm going to try and read up on that and maybe talk about it when I get a better handle on it. But yeah, the name of the father comes up a lot in this episode. Um, but yeah, so what I was saying about um, Pete kind of, yeah, Pete not wanting to be a father and and, uh, and Betty not wanting to. Yeah, I totally agree. There's kind of the the advertising thing that you're saying is, is really there like that's 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 what the signs are that's that's but even even down to the scene with with betty and francine where she's like you know it's unclear whether she's but the fact that francine looks at her and is like i think you know i'd have thought you would have understood and betty's like why because there's that whole thing of this she still has that barrier up where she's keeping up with the joneses where she's portraying the happy family image but that isn't what's really going on and i think you know other people when i think when she realizes as well that other people can see that then i think that's probably such a huge moment for her because she sort of prides herself on portraying herself in a certain way um it is it is it does go back to that thing of being disconnected from your own self and not kind of knowing how you're being perceived i guess right yeah totally Right, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really cool. I'm trying to think what else we could talk about in this. Oh, t- t- I tell you what, there's a there's a, a really cool scene that we haven't mentioned yet. So, you know, when um, uh, when they've done the pitch and Don's want, Don saved the day and uh, they go into the off, they go into Don's office and they're all kind of cheering him on and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's basically remember the scene in the first episode where after Don has done the same thing and everyone's in his office, they're having like a little party in his mm. office. And then like right at the end of it, Peggy comes in and she, she puts her hand on his, on his hand yeah, and he pulls it away and says, I'm your boss or whatever. This is exactly the same scene where they're all kind of celebrating and stuff to the point, to the point where that first scene in that first episode, kind of, they, they kind of allude to um, addiction and kind of how Don is addicted to this success. And I was thinking, how are they going to tie that into this one? And as soon as I was thinking that, Pete offers Duck a glass of brandy and Duck turns it down. Yeah. But yeah, that was, um, that was really, really cool. Um, and and also, sorry, I was get back to Peggy. So Peggy comes into this. 
So in, in the first one, Peggy gets sick. Peggy tries to seduce Don by putting a hand on his on his hand, and he tells her, "I'm your boss." And in this one, uh, she comes in again, and Don offers her a new job, and then they shake hands. Ah. <laughs> wow. So that's really cool. Wow. I mean, on that on the YouTube clip, and I've said this a thousand times for series one. I don't actually know what's going to happen next. And then obviously there was quite a few little spoilers uh, in yeah, that in that actually. one. And, and I'm like, whoa, Don and Don and uh, Peggy get become like a kick-ass pair of advertising people, don't they? Like she gets like a makeover at some point. Like I can't wait for that. Um, yeah, that's exciting. And also some, like... some someone else. It looks like commits suicide in a car, which. This, <laughs> there's loads to come. They actually, do you know what? I I can't spoil it, but um, they didn't give too much away. Let's put it that way. Um, I just want to talk about one thing that we haven't really spoken about, um, which is postmodernism. Well, I guess we did mention that, but like more sort of um, the paradigm shift. So one of the things that's in this episode, and it's kind of really alluded to in the second half of it as Peggy gets this new job as the junior copywriter but really there's a point where when they're celebrating where Duck suggests that um Don getting this um this account wasn't just a victory for the office it was a victory for civilization and to me that's kind of uh, duck basically saying we've managed to keep the social order we've managed to keep the status quo and what he obviously what he doesn't know is that what's about to happen is everything's going to be upended in America and there's going to be like a lot of social change and loads of things are going to happen. And that's why the whole postmodernism is really interesting, the whole theme of postmodernism. And and um, one thing that I, another thing that I didn't mention was the fact that those pictures that Don talks about. Um, as he's showing the slides and everything um, to me and I don't know much about art so like I could be way off on this but to me they're kind of quite impressionistic and and like from what I've read like modernistic art impression modern art impression and impressionistic art were very similar well a very similar time period and it wasn't until the paradigm shifted and um, people started thinking less about things in terms of uh, group, like, like groups and isms and sort of ideologies and started thinking more in terms of the self and how to make themselves happy and how to kind of, you know, how to be pretty selfish, I guess. Um, and this is kind of, you can see this in, there's a really cool little scene in, in here as well where where Don and Duck are looking at the wheel, they're looking at this like new contraption, and it's like a really short scene. They really kind of all the things they say in it are kind of like nodding towards modern postmodernism. Where Don rejects the tagline, um, he, like Duck starts talking about it, and Don says, "Oh, everyone's going to be saying um, they invented the wheel. It's going to be like an obvious thing that people say." So he doesn't want to pick that because. He wants to think in a bit more of a postmodernist kind of way. Um, and um, there's another thing that gets said as well. Yeah, that's it. And Duck, Duck talks about how the um, the company wants to put the actual, the word R&D 
or the words R&D into the actual ad, which obviously at the time would have been like totally like a complete no-no. You're like showing people how the sausage gets made. And, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. And back in those days, you want to be as kind of like this, it just came out of the box looking like this. But like the idea of showing how things work in the background is a very postmodern way of thinking. Um, sorry, I've been talking too much. Did you remember that scene? Am I just kind of like, are you just sitting there going, what's he talking about? No, I remember. I mean, I, I, I wanted to bring up a different scene, actually. And I was sort of like thinking about that. Because we haven't talked about... Um, Henry and his little handprints. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah, his yeah. name Henry? Yeah. His name is Harry. Harry, I was close. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry and his handprints. So I mean, because we haven't talked about that at all. Like Paul, I feel, I feel for him. Do you know? I feel for him. <laughs> like he's clearly like we don't know what's happened, but I think he must have admitted what has happened to his wife. That's the. And he's <laughs> yeah, sleeping really. in the office, walking around <laughs> yeah. in his pants at night. And... He's sleeping in the office and lying to lying to his wife about how, you know, he's at Ken's. Well, you know, I I'm just, weird. I just think. Well, Ken probably doesn't want him to see. He's too busy with Ken's too busy with Annie. Um. But yeah, he's walking around in the office at night in his pants. Don Draper's in there completely drunk and is like, oh, come come and chat to me. He doesn't give a shit really that he's in his pants. And and um, Harry comes in and he tells him this story about the, ha- the handprints on glass and like why he takes photos. And I think what's interesting about that is he basically doesn't really say an awful lot about nostalgia. Um he kind of talks about making your mark upon the world. He talks about the 17,000 year old sort of cave paintings or whatever. And I think, you know, could we, we could also assume that what is the mark that, you know, from that conversation, Don's also thinking what mark has he made on the world based on the photos that exist of him. I mean, if you looked at those photos, you'd think, wow, he's a great father. He's a loving father, but he, knows when he sees them that he's actually not those things and again that comes back to the advertising but it's that interesting element of like leaving your mark and i think that's a lot to do with uh being a uh, you know having children as well is is they are effectively the mark that you leave on the world when you go um that's fantastic yeah so wow. yeah, that's quite. I, I quite like that scene. I mean, I thought it was a bit random. I feel like I feel like Harry was a bit of a random like because then, then obviously he got upset during the pitch spell and he ran out. Yeah. Crying. Well, that's that's the that's the thing of meaning, isn't it? So I feel like he was in that because that one of the things they talk about in that video is how because we know about all the stuff with Dawn and we know that that creates meaning for what they're talking about. But I feel like that's not really shown through Don it's more shown through Harry and Harry kind of looking at it and as a family and thinking of all the things he's lost and kind of you know this whole idea of signifiers and signified and, and signs and all this kind of stuff and it all sort of adds up to that so that's really cool yeah. um, what else I wanted to talk about one more thing but I've forgotten what it was I, I did actually want to say about that 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 scene with Harry though I like that's really cool all the stuff you said because I I that didn't occur to me but I totally agree it's really about him sort of leaving his mark on the world and all that kind of stuff. What I what I saw when I when I was watching that was um, 
again it's it's for me it was more about the the machinery thing and the the, the modernity and stuff because harry's talking about how like he, he talks about how he'd use machinery to get girls names you know again the whole semiotics thing and all the stuff don talks about he talks about like impressionistic paintings and stuff like that so yeah, I was getting all that kind of stuff. Well, from it, impressionistic but... paintings, uh, generally as well, a lot of them are created by doing sort of mark by mark. So there is right, definitely okay. some sort of, you know, I would say some sort of thing there that they're trying to say about. Because I mean, again, with the handprints on glass, he was sort of talking about how it's, you know, it, you can get they're never to the same, and sort of like it can change so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. You know, it's sort of, I think there's a lot of stuff there that's kind of like could be. Well, there's a lot of stuff about language. Again, like yeah. one of the things about structuralism is this idea that, you know, you, you anything that has a signifier, that signifier doesn't necessarily relate to the thing that it's signifying. It's just kind of an arbitrary name for it. And those things change over time. And, you know, a meaning for one thing at one point will mean something completely different at another point in time. And these things like really fluid, that relates to the way Don is, like I say, he is this floating thing within this family and he doesn't really have a, a, a fully defined, he doesn't, he doesn't really fully define himself as this thing. The only way you know what he is, is relative to the things around him. And that's how words work as well, where you're, the, only re, the only way you really know what they are is how they're related to the things around them it's um people anyone listening to this go and look it up it's all fascinating i've put loads and loads of links to videos and explanations and wiki links in the in the um the bio underneath because i feel like i'm doing a bad job of explaining it <laughs> i've just thought of something else go on so we've sort of talked about how this this episode is about time postmodernism, you know all that kind yeah. of stuff but you yeah. know what? Probably one of the most crucial, not maybe not crucial, but like I don't know, symbolic lines of this episode is is um, when Glenn says, "I don't know how long twenty minutes is." Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like actually, look, thinking about that, that's such a that's a it's a whole thing. That's a whole thing. <laughs> Well, the, well, I guess it's all like relative as uh, and stuff, isn't it? But one of the things, because that that line stood out to me as well, because it's kind of random. Um, I'm sure that there's another point. I can't remember where it was. I'm, I'm almost certain there's a point in this episode where someone talks about twenty minutes. Does that really? ring any bells for you? Well, I mean, I'm, when Don talks about Thanksgiving, he's like, "Oh, what's the point in twelve hours?" Um, so he sort of talks about time, yeah, a bit. But I, no, this I, I, the reason I'm saying specifically twenty minutes is because, and I could be wrong, but to, and I could totally be making this up in my head. But the twenty, if you look at like twenty minutes on a clock, and then you add the forty minute angle, you get like a perfect three point thing. You what? know, like the, you know, oh like my the god. <laughs> Seriously, you and your fucking triangles. Oh my god. Seriously, I can't deal with it anymore. They're all over the place. They're right? everywhere. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I think we I think we've exhausted everything. There's one more thing I want to talk about before <laughs> I know I know, I do it every oh, week. I so, do it every so week. Exhausted. There's nothing left to talk about. Oh my god. <laughs> 
to be honest with you, I could talk about this for hours. Uh, I'm just trying to give like the quick stuff. Um, I don't, I, I don't really want to talk about the Oedipal uh, thing, but there's an Oedipal thing in here somewhere. What? Um, but, but yeah, there is. Um, it's all about Betty and how she gets the job and everything, but I'm not even going to talk Peggy, about Peggy, you mean Peggy. Um, <laughs> Peggy, Peggy, Peggy. Uh, how Peggy gets the um, the promotion and how that's different to Pete getting the bonus, but I won't go into it. Uh, the one thing I do want to talk about is the Matrix. <laughs> it's, do you know what, right? It's been a really long time yeah. since I saw the Matrix. And that's the one <laughs> with the pills and they plug, do they plug themselves in? Yes, they yeah, plug yeah. themselves okay. in. But the reason I want to talk about the Matrix is like something that never came up when the whole film came out and like, and it really just occurred to me as I was watching this episode of Mad Men. So we've already said that um, language is consciousness, right? Right. And by language, we mean kind of like, we actually, I think they actually mean when they say language, they mean sort of the written word. They mean sort of writing and science and stuff like that, right? And obviously the big thing about the Matrix is Neo when he sees when he finally becomes neo and he starts to see how the world really is all he sees is just writing everywhere and symbols mm. so yeah it's just kind of really clever that's so that's it that's like it's it's a lacan thing and yeah i just thought that was cool well i mean like you said i think that sort of we've completed season one yeah <laughs> uh, and you know i've got to give it to you Fola. you've had you've had some excellent observations about uh lots of stuff this oh, uh, this series and i know you put in a lot more effort than i do today. you know he spends hours researching and all that kind of stuff and you know I think, you don't need to research well you watch it once and it's like well this is a, this i mean i did nail everything let me put it this way i did not spot all the triangles <laughs> Yeah, it could be just insane. Maybe they're not there. I don't know. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> maybe well, people will tell us when I come, when I come to see round to see you next. You'll just be lying on the floor, just going triangles, triangles, <laughs> triangles, triangles everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, do, I've got a question. Do you think it's worth? Actually, I think I, I think it's worth it, but you might not. Do you think it's worth doing a recap in a couple of weeks of the last three episodes, and then maybe just talking about the whole? season as a whole because i think there's a bit of a story an arc within that as well yeah no i think that's worth doing all right we'll do that then I mean, we have the next episode we haven't even like finished uh finished recording the podcast but we're already planning the next session um <laughs> yeah. so you know if you uh, if any of you guys have uh, any feedback or you know tell us how we did for season one we'd love to hear from you, know, you you know what i'd say you say that every week but i think it's important to say that um we this what we what we what we do on this week on this show every week is we talk about what we think about the show and how we feel about it this is not like in any way shape or form um the correct answer this is just you know uh putting like <laughs> putting two and two together and coming up with 607 um so i i genuinely would like to know what other people think about if there's any things that people like about the shows or what people think about the way we talk about the show or, or what they the things they bring to the show because i think that's what the best thing about this show is like just being able to talk to people about it and you know because you kind of find out things about yourself i think 
Uh, when oh, what, we do have talk you, about what have you learned about yourself, Fola? Um, I'm a bit insane, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I I um I focus on things a bit too much. Um, I look for interesting patterns where there might not be any. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I feel like I feel like it's a good way of finding out a bit about yourself, even if you can't put that into words. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've learned that I've got the memory of a small fish because I don't remember. <laughs> half the stuff that you've told me from one week to the next i'm like who's who's what i can't even remember any of the philosophers so like we're already we're already but you there. do remember you do remember the names of the characters in the show which is uh that's true more than i can do that's true <laughs> so you know there is that <laughs> anyway should we uh should we call it a day let's call it a day so the only thing left to say is uh don't forget everyone sopranos is even better Bye. See you next week.